sit down, take a chew and chew my money till we get it. Till we get it. Paul Wall in the Coopers, what was they talking? Money speak, all that bullshit, keep it. Run the side, run the side. All the guards were asleep. Is that, is that the most likely scenario? Well, that's that's what this book is telling me. Which which uh, who who wrote the book? Which book? The book that uh, hey, hey oh well Martin Luther wrote a book called <laughs> The Jews and Their Lies. That's one of Martin Luther's most popular books. Andrew, are you familiar? Popular. Yeah, it's yeah. popular it's not, in micro not, friends. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it is a book that he wrote, but it's not yeah. his most popular book. It is called that, right? The Jews and Their Lies. It's called On the Jews and Their Lies. Surprising that guy's not more popular these days. Yeah. There's a certain subculture that enjoys it. I believe you guys have been following uh, Kanye West's anti-Semitism. Robert's in the Jewish family. Robert's what, wife is what, is what is Kanye West saying? Uh, uh, that For the past, what, the three... Well, it's it's been like the past three or four weeks. Like he's been tweeting out some really anti-Semitic shit. Like uh, JT said, like you know, Jews run the media, and that you know, uh, saying you know Hitler had some pretty good ideas. Like just no, he said that. <laughs> yeah. He said that outright. He's 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 just now. Cr- At first, it was like this borderline anti-Semitism, and then like the next day, he's like publishing an Excel sheet of the list of every Jewish name that like owns a newspaper. It's like all right, there it is. They're not a borderline anymore, buddy. <laughs> uh, You're making lists, Kanye. <laughs> You're making those are terrifying lists to see. Making yeah. a list of Jewish names is not a good look, guys. Yeah, always a bad. If you ever catch yourself doing that, kind of take examine what's going on in your life. He also did that thing where he's like, the Jews are going to silence me, those dirty Jews. And then they delete uh, his Twitter, and then he's like, do you see what they did? And it's like, well, come on, man. You don't. <laughs> you can't really. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, did Elon Musk buy Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. This, what a wild thing. Just this past week, um, they closed the deal. He. Uh, brought a sink into their headquarters and tweeted, what? let that sink in, which, you know, you can have, you can have multiple millions and billions of dollars, but that, that still doesn't make you a comedian. Uh, he proved that theory. That's and uh, yeah, he, he basically let go the entire like a uh, C-suite from uh, what Twitter. What is so C-suite? it's like, a ch- so that's like your chief financial officer, your chief operating officer. Oh, oh, oh the CEO, yeah. the CFO, the CTO, whatever. Okay. Yeah, he was laying man. off a lot of C-suite and higher ups. Oh man, it's cleaning house. Did you guys see the guys that pretended to be Twitter employees outside? These two guys, right when right when the news broke, there were reporters out front of the Twitter headquarters, and these two guys just went out with cardboard boxes, and were just like saying kind of out their stuff, like I'm just scared that he's gonna make Twitter for Nazis. I got to get home and tell my husband and my wife the news, and we're just trying to get. Oh, he said his name was uh, Ligma. <laughs> oh Ligma. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. I thought that was real. Now, uh, well, Andrew, you just you just succumbed to propaganda, misinformation campaign done work on Dr. Andrew Kelly. Yeah, I, I uh, was misinformed or disinformed. I didn't know. <laughs> well, I didn't know. Robert's already got a list of Bible stories to ask you about. He's pretty excited. Cool. Robert, have you ever been to a Christian church? Yeah, so I was... As a kid, right? Yeah, Robert's so a grown I... Man. Oh. <laughs> he's, a, he's a kid. And I was like, no, 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 fully adult. Just gives off those yeah. vibes, wonder like. Yeah, he's, he's got a little, little kid haircut, little kid glasses. <laughs> 
<laughs> Little kid, wife, yeah. and kid. Robert, all right? he just actually invited me on for us to make fun of you. Are you cool with that? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like okay, episode again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like I was like the like I told JT the last time I actually like went to a church. It was for my friend's like youth group when I was fifteen, and it was mainly to see him in the band. And okay. his parents were kind of weird. They're like, "Oh well, if you come to our church, like you can hang out afterwards to like play your secular music with him." Okay. So yeah, the last time was basically because of that. Like I was kind of bargained into it, and it was yeah. a Methodist church. Um, okay. But you know, prior to that, like I'd. You know, I've been to plenty of, uh, you know, Sunday services and Sunday school classes. I was baptized Lutheran. I don't know if that means anything, but... As a baby or as an adult? Oh, as a baby. As a baby, yeah. That depends on who you talk to, I guess. I I kept the medal, though. Oh, they gave you medal for it? They gave you, like, did you get, like, first place in baptism? (laughs) Well, no, it's it's just, like, this, like, silver, like... I mean, it, it like, if you put a ribbon on it it would look like oh you like you won something thank you for your service you didn't tattle on any of those priests (laughs) (laughs) you didn't you didn't scream or cry or kick the priest as he was dunking your head did you get dunked as a baby no they They i mean how would i remember i was a baby it's a good point yeah but yeah it was it was just like a silver medal it says the date you were baptized and your full name and you know what church and how big your house will be in heaven yeah wild okay yeah i didn't know they did that i'm not i'm not lutheran so i don't i don't know the lutheran stuff you're not lutheran i mean i'm i'm a lutheranite i don't know i like luther i like calvin better than luther does calvin does that name anything to you robert i yeah because well, well so martin luther was he was kind of the first guy to really break away from the Catholic church and start the Protestant movement. And Calvin, so, go ahead. I was going to say like Calvin was like the second guy, right? He's the guy that killed a, his kids for having sex. I think. Cause there's a series of guys Um, the earliest guy is probably a guy named John Huss, but Martin Luther and John Calvin, the most famous actually this weekend is the anniversary of John Calvin, uh, nailing his 95 thesis to uh, a church door in Wittenberg, Germany. You um, mean so he, Martin Luther. Yeah, I'm sorry, Martin Luther. Yeah, so Martin Luther, uh, he nailed these 95 pieces to a door. It literally is on October 31st. Yeah. Um, and so he he basically he was a uh, Catholic priest. He was not a big fan of like g- God as as he was understood in his particular context. Um, was like confessing all the time, like terrified of going to hell. And so he reads the Bible a ton and is like, oh, I think the Bible teaches something different than what I've been taught. Um, So like the thesis, like the first, his first thesis, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be of one repentance. Um, Number two, this word cannot be understood as referring to the sacrament of penance, that is confession and satisfaction as administered by the clergy. So he's saying, repentance is a lifestyle it's a change from the beginning it's not a thing that you repeatedly go back to like a water well yeah and at the time wasn't the catholic church selling your way to heaven which i think is still a pretty cool move and if i was involved in church organizations i would say 
The yeah. monetization team was working hard. I would uh, say, get me on the phones. Yeah, a few bucks, we can get you into Avid. Guarantee it. Tell, telemarketer for Jesus. <laughs> the um, the uh, I, so I I believe so. Um, I'm always like nervous to be like, yes, that's what they were doing because sometimes you hear things and then later they're like, that wasn't what was happening. Yeah, but, it's like clan um, propaganda. Like, did you know that the Catholics? <laughs> yeah, like, so really? I, I, I do, I do, I do believe that they were selling indulgences as a means of raising money, which was designed to clear people of sin um i think after they had died um but i'm not a hundred percent sure well that makes sense because i get all the sin and out while i'm living so i want it cleared out after the fact so so like what's interesting is like um like you'll read these guys like john calvin or martin luther and like for me i'm like yeah john calvin i like it i like it and it'll be like a four paragraph like aside about how much he hates the pope in the middle of his uh like exposition of Ephesians or something like that. And you're like, Oh, okay. So he really didn't like this guy. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's a story there. One of the stories. What Bible stories you got? That's the anniversary. That's tomorrow. The 95 V on the day that this episode most likely drops, we can call yeah, it the reformation so, day special. So I, I'll have to, I'll have to check. So, so, uh, I, it's like the 500th, um, when did Martin Luther nail? His theses, uh, yeah. So is this is like the twenty five hundred and fifth anniversary of that. And yeah. his son actually started one of the biggest civil rights movements in American history. Yeah, Junior. Yeah, Martin Luther Junior. What you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what stories you got for me, Robert? I'm hoping one my... one maybe about giants, or probably more less interesting than that, huh, Robert? What, David? what do you got? Goliath. No, there's so many giants and demons mentioned, but I know you had one lined up. I just was hoping it would be like the one where the donkey talks. What do you got? Um, you know, I was going to go over Abraham because, okay. again, last time I, it's been almost 15 years I've, you know, actually studied or gone to church. Mm-hmm. And Abraham is one of those he's one of those names I've always heard and been like, yeah, Abraham, like Abrahamic religions. But it's like, Mm -hmm. I've never really heard that story or like who he was. Like, was he like the first guy to kind of be like, Hey, there's one God and these 200 gods over here. That's, that's malarkey or like what, what's his deal. So, um, all right. So, uh, Abraham appears in the first book of the Bible. He appears in this, in what's like, it's, we call it like the second half of that book, but really it's only like 12 chapters in. So like in the 12th chapter, you meet Abram. Um, he's not Abraham until later. Um, Abraham basically lives in, uh, in Ur with his father. He worships pagan gods and then hears from the Lord. And the Lord says, just go where I tell you to go. And Abraham goes, and that kind of begins the story of Abraham. Abraham ends up being like the, we call them Abrahamic religions. So like Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are all Abrahamic in that they all believe to one degree or another that their system of belief goes at least all the way back to Abraham. Okay. Um, so like the first 11 chapters of Genesis is about the degeneration of, of humankind. It's really bad. It kind of culminates in two events, the, uh, the flood, which you've probably heard of. The uh, with Noah's Ark. The one with you're Noah. thinking, Robert. Yeah, yeah, the flood. The one from the museum in Kentucky. So, so there's a big flood, and then there's the Tower of Babel, in which the people and the languages are scattered, and then out of that, 
uh, Earth's humankind's not still not doing great. Um, God calls Abraham, and then Abraham becomes the father of Isaac, who's the father of Jacob, who gets renamed to Israel. This is like another twenty chapters in, and um, Israel has twelve sons. Uh, and then Joseph, the youngest son, ends up being sold into slavery by his older brothers. Joseph gets put into um, uh, prison because of some conflict with his his like slave master, but eventually works his way up in like the bureaucracy of Egypt to become the second in command, is reunited with his brothers, um, and they all live in Egypt together. And then Exodus, the next book of the Bible, opens up 400 years later, and the Israelites have been enslaved by the Egyptians. So that's kind of the story of where Israel begins as a nation. Now, as okay. far as history is concerned, Jewish so people what, being slaves in Egypt, is that real, Robert and Andrew? Are you asking me if it's historically true? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Robert? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I've never Googled it. You've got, you've think, got two major re- religions that will confirm it. So I, I, think, I think Islam does too, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. And what I've heard is like, between the three, like a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament, they'll they'll say like most of it is historically accurate or like there's some truth to it or some version of it. It's really when yeah. the New Testament kicks in. So so the so um all right. So in terms of historical accuracy, like let's talk about history for a second. <laughs> history is always probability, right? Like yeah. I can't know for sure something happened in the past the way I can know that one plus one is two. They're different types of truths. Um, one is like a basic property. It is true. Uh, and I don't need external evidence to prove it. Right. Mathematicians don't need to defend math. It's just true. Um, but history is, have they met JT? Yeah. Just, uh, (laughs) JT is like one doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, I have what's called a third eye and it's the mushroom eye in the middle of your forehead. That way I'm I'm grabbing a diet Dr. Pepper from my fridge. He's earned it. He really has. I present to you, Andrew and JT, uh, the guy on TikTok making his own number system. I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure you would have to debate uh, math with him. Yeah, dude, we should have brought uh, him on to debate Andrew. That would have been you great. Put, like I, was, I always if you put me in a debate with a flat earther, I'd 100 percent lose. They would destroy yeah, me. Too. Um, but I'm that's still convinced here to stop. That would that's you, exactly how I feel because like I watched a video and the guy was an engineer and he was putting numbers on a math board and I was like, hey, I'm just gonna turn this off before I get too deep in. I was like, you know what? I think my best bet is to say I think the Earth's round because people I like do. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone I like thinks it's round. I don't need to argue anything. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but everyone has a combination of beliefs. Some that arise from research, some that arise from consensus. You don't. You you're not able to prove gravity exists, but you believe it exists, right? Well. I you can prove it exists to an extent. No, I'm you, no, I'm you probably drunk. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't prove that the Earth is rotating the Sun, but I believe it exists just as a matter of consensus. So, like, and you have to do that. You have you have to outsource some beliefs to people who do the research. You can't do all your own research. Um, but yeah, historically, so like, I don't know. I got friends who. Uh, so the Bible, understandably, has come under a greater deal of what we call like historical criticism. And the reason why is because a lot of people believe that it's true and believe that it has a claim on your life. And if that's the case, it, it comes under a lot of criticism, but it's held probably to a higher critical standard than other uh, like sort of ancient histories. So like mm-hmm. um, not, there's not a lot of like reconstruction of ancient Egyptian history. It's kind of taken for what it is, at least a lot more readily. The Bible is, is not, but 
pretty consistently it's proven to be true. That's particularly true for the New Testament. It's not as true for the Old Testament because you just have less stuff the further in time you go back, right? So like I can have written documents from 2000 years ago. I cannot have written documents from like 4000 years ago. They just, they will not have survived that amount of time, no matter what. Um, so like in terms of the Old Testament being historically true, the way I'm going to come to that, that belief is not by going and looking at like statues and stuff like that from, you know, 35, 36, 3700 BCE. There's a little bit of that, but not, not a lot of that. Instead, if I believe that, for example, Jesus was raised from the dead and that the New Testament speaks accurately about Jesus, Jesus affirms the Old Testament, right? So if I think Jesus came back to life and I think the New Testament is correct in what it says about Jesus, then I'm willing to believe the Old Testament is true because he says that it's true. Kind of a circuitous route, but I think the, a good one. No, I mean, I, that, that's the reason that I use on most things, right? Like, I think that the gas closest to my house is the best place to get it because that's what my wife says. She says, just go to the QT down the street. And I go, yeah, I'm not going to argue that. Admit, that makes right. my life easier and better to just know. Yeah, if the QT down the street is the best place. There's no reason I would think about a different gas station. It doesn't, you know what I mean? The one down the street from my house, 100% the best one. I'm not being facetious. I mean, 100% serious right now. Right, it's but you literally say, like, yeah, but you would say that because your, your trust in your wife is high, right? You like you believe the things that Jen's, she's not proven to be wrong about those things, but no reason yeah, to exactly. It's it's following the line that if the more recent stuff has been recorded and you believe that, and the more recent stuff is based off the the older stuff like the Old Testament, then it's like you're led to believe the the you know the older stuff is true that it wasn't recorded per se. Yeah, you know? I, I, yeah, I'm 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 reasonably yeah. I I I've, I think that there's a reasonable I, I think. Like even a secularist, someone who like doesn't believe in God at all, maybe is even antagonistic to Christianity, would would probably agree with me that if, if it, like given Jesus is raised from the dead, given the New Testament is reliable, it's not a big leap to say, okay, I believe the Old Testament too. Um, be, because of the way that the New Testament both cites and like overtly affirms the the Old Testament. Right. Nice. That's comforting. <laughs> How many Coming books in your Bible, Andrew? 66. Robert, how many books in your Bible? 39. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. This oh, is like Bible. It's not going to give them a number. You have to count it. All right, here, Robert, you have a, you have a, like a, a table of contents in front of you? Um, here. I just like the religions that have like, oh yeah, we're Christian, but we have like a hundred books of the Bible. I'm like, that seems like a better. You guys seem like you have more going on. You know what I mean? Well, there's there's only one actual debate over a set of books um, between, and it's typically between Protestants and Catholics. Do Which the Catholics have the same amount as like the the like Ethiopian Orthodox and like all those different Orthodoxes, the ones that were like look like wizards? I like the wizard so, Christians. Those are so, my favorite uh, right now. They're fun. I could be wrong about this. But I think all the Orthodox uh, denominations have the same number as us, 66. Uh, so there's the Old Testament, that's 39 books. Then there's the New Testament, which is 27. And then I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's 14. It could be 12 or something like that. Um, we, JT, we grew up calling them the Apocrypha. Um, yeah, they just used to be in like the King James Bible in between the Old and New Testament, right? So they're, they are technically Old Testament books. They 
tend to cover the time period in between the Old and the New Testament. So, like, you've heard of, like, Judas Maccabee. Mm-hmm. The books that are about him and his family are... Enoch, are, stuff like that, stuff that... Uh, I don't think Enoch is in the apocryphal books, but hold on just for a second. Uh, apocryphal, to begin with, is kind of a rhetorical move, right? So Catholics will call them deuterocanonical, mm-hmm. meaning they'll say that we believe these are part of the canon, but in some sense, they're secondary to the other books. And Protestants would say, no, no, they're, they're nice, they're fun, they're good to read. In fact, a lot of people would say they contain some good history, uh, but we don't consider them to be the inspired word of God. And that's the reasons for that are multifaceted. One being like the New Testament doesn't really quote them. Um, and it doesn't appear that these were books that were used commonly by Jews at the time, but there's some debate there. Okay. I looked up the Orthodox, and they got some. So they have, you know, how you just mentioned the Maccabees, the yeah. Ethiopian. Hang on, let me check, make sure. This is the yeah, no, this is the Ethiopian ones. They oh, have you know a different version of Maccabees that they have three versions, and then their no, chronicles four, have something. Well, there's four Maccabees. One, and then they have Jubilees, four. which is kind of like that. Yeah, Jubilees. Um, you Obadiah. Actually, actually, is, that, think, is that in your Bible? You got Obadiah in your Bible? I got, I got Obadiah. Actually, I think that I think I was wrong. I think that the Orthodox, because Orthodox is Greek based. So, uh, Robert, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. By the time the New Testament was being written, the predominant language that Jews were using for writing was um, was Greek. So they were using a Greek Old Testament, which we call the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, often, like I think in my copy, right? Do I have? Yeah, hold on. Oh shit! He's busting. Out, he's busting out the book. Get- Getting some books out. I got some books. Doctor Andrew here. Kelly reaching into his backpack right. to grab a shotgun to point at the camera for some reason. So Septuagint right here. Gosh, double barrel. I'm two barrels. Uh, <laughs> Locked and loaded. Uh, and this is what right I call <laughs> the wor- the word of the sword. <laughs> yeah. So so. Um, all right. So uh, the Septuagint includes the the Deuterocanonical or apocryphal books. Um, and they are uh, one and two Esdras. No, one Esdras. Uh, Judith, Tobit, one through four Maccabees, the prayer of Manasseh, uh, the wisdom of Ben Sirah, or in Greek that's often called Sirach, uh, Baruch, um, the epistle of Jeremiah, Susanna, Bell, and the dragon. I don't know what Bell and the dragon is about. That's interesting. Baal yeah. and the dragon is probably. Um, like and to know so, about more about dragons in the Bible. Yeah, I do want to know what Baal and the Dragon is about. So they're in the they're in the Greek. Like, so the that oldest copy trip to China. That that's what. Yeah, that I don't, honestly, I don't. So, so the oldest copy, uh, full copy of the Bible we have is probably from like I don't know, like three twenty five, year three hundred twenty five, and that copy is all Greek. It's Old and New Testament. It will include a lot of the uh, Deuterocanonical books, but they were we don't have them in Hebrew. We only have them in Greek. So they're much later than the other Old Testament books. I like the idea of someone seeing, wow, Jesus and the dragon. Jesus does China, the Bible too. And then Joseph's being going, that does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so would you include the Book of Mormon in your Bible or no? Me? Yeah. No? no? no. That in thing my was, Bible? Yeah. No. Dude, you did like 300 pages right off the dome and you don't want to put that in the Bible? I could write okay. three pages off the dome. My would be good. That good? Yeah. That good? I don't know. Was there, hey, there, was there like 11 million Mormons? 
I'm surprised Robert's actually on your side here. Robert, do you think that you could write something as good as the Book of Mormon just off the dome like our boy JS did? Have you guys read the Book of Mormon? Yeah, we're Mormons now. We since, <laughs> since last time we talked, we went from straight <laughs> Protestant to Mormons. Switch. We're gonna try and get rid of Mormons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's the most fun religion we've joined so far. Um, don't know a lot about Mormonism. Oh, I'm gonna move my thing around because the sun is just being. Do you, do you think you could do that? I'm not doubting yeah. you, Robert. I think if anyone could, it'd be you. What convert to Mormonism or no? Write a book of Mormon off the dome, just like just freestyle a book of Mormon, uh, looking in a hat with. I think two that freestyle. Women. You think Mormons would be offended? Yeah, he just freestyled those books. But like, <laughs> no, those books came from God. No, he freestyled them. He was, it was off like a the rap. dome. Yeah, it's like interesting. I like the way that your God talked very commonly. How people talked at that time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no, I wouldn't include book. Book of Mormon was written in what like eighteen ten or something like that, and I probably would not include that in my Bible. Okay. Right. Robert, were you you got the Book of Mormon in your Bible or no? No. Oh, I like how Robert would check. He was like, let me just make sure. Let me double check this. <laughs> yeah. uh, Robert's uh, a man of reason. He's not just going to give a feelings-based answer there, sir. The oldest the oldest copies we got were written in Greek. Uh, we know that older ones were written, like Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The, so, the oldest copies, so okay, so you're talking about the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. No one can test that. Everyone agrees with that. The oldest copies we have are probably a couple of the Septuagint copies. But we also have, in in the 20th century, uh, they discovered, you've probably heard of these, the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, yep. which included a lot of Hebrew uh, Old Testament. But it was a wild find because it's basically a bunch of Hebrew Old Testament from around or before the time of Jesus. Now, wasn't that found in a really interesting year and a really interesting place that makes a lot of people think maybe that was fake? The Dead Sea Scrolls? No. It wasn't? I no. thought it was found in like 1954 in Israel. Uh, it, I think it's a little bit earlier than that. It was found in Israel by like a Bed Bedouin uh, shepherd. He like threw a rock into a cave and then heard a pot break. And he's like, whoa. So he went in and found all these scrolls. And so like in that climate, like papyri lasts way longer. It's super dry. Um, and so they found tons of stuff and it's been, you know, 70 years or whatever of them like negotiating, uh, uh, ownership of them and like, who do they belong to? Right. So there's these, these, these kind of persistent long debates in antiquities. Like if you find a really, really old, let's say, um, uh, Persian artifact or, 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 uh, pyre, does it belong to people who found it? Does it belong where it was found or does it belong British to the museum? Right. So the British Museum is like you walk in and the British were like, we just went over the whole world and we're like, we'll have that. We'll have that. We'll have that. They're like, they went to Greece, saw the Parthenon and they're like, rip its face off and take it back to London. And we're going to put it up in our museum. So there's like lots of debates about that. Who does it belong to? Um, we did a similar thing in Nashville, too, except we just go. we just built ours to scale. Build a two scale parking yeah. yeah, Nashville's got the British Museum kind of beat there. I'll tell you what. Yeah. We, we built the we, whole we, one, not just we the did space. the Paul on full scale out here in Nashville style. <laughs> Build yeah. a little different if you ask me. We, we so like I, hot chicken and uh, ancient structures because we got that Parthenon and then pyramids. I you have pyramids? Are, like, are, they, oh. are they like Bass Pro Shops or what? Yeah, the one in Memphis is the Bass Pro Shops and Hotel. The largest pyramid in America is, is a Bass Pro Shop, which is wild, yeah. right? And then yeah. after that, it's a casino, I think, right? Isn't the you Luxor know, Casino like the second biggest pyramid in America? They found a yeah. crystal skull at the top, welded to the top of that place. And it was like, one? yeah, did you read about that? 
No. So during the transfer of owners, they found a crystal skull and everyone was real scared. It was just like a rich kid whose dad owned it and he put it up there because his like guru from India told him to. Wait, hold up. So I'm, I don't want to get off track here, but someone built a pyramid that wasn't a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. And, so, then, like, and then like Spirit Halloween, Bass Pro Shop went in. And it was an arena over. at first. And there's actually called what's called the Temple Test because when they opened that arena, so many people pooped in there and they flushed. The whole arena got flooded with doo-doo. So now yeah. when arenas open, they go into every bathroom and flush them at the same time to make sure that they don't have a literal poop overflow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. The history of that pyramid is amazing. Because of the crystal skull thing, that's why I got into it, where I was like, okay, obviously I got to figure out who put the crystal skull at the top of a pyramid. It's the ultimate move there. Um, I'm yeah. I got to look at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was originally like the the basketball arena where... The Memphis Grizzlies and then the local like college team would play their games. But then That's they built another basketball wild. arena that was more traditional. And so it, it kind of stood idle for years until um yeah, Bass Pro Shops and their like hotel affiliate company basically just went in there and they're like, Yeah, we can make this our flagship, I guess. And like the story behind that, the owner of Bass Pro Shops was fishing on the Mississippi, and he said, if I catch a big old catfish today, I'm going to make that a Bass Pro Shop. He caught like a 95-pound bass fish, like one of the top 15 in history, and has a photo with it. And it's like, that's why I think dark forces were at play. We had to get the crystal skull <laughs> to the top of that pyramid. I want to know what happened. I want to know. I think it was Iran Contra. I think it was the Iran Contra. Something. I'm reading a book called Chaos right now, so my mind is rotted. Okay. But yeah, so there, there's that one in Memphis, which Memphis, it, it took its name from an Egyptian city. And then mm -hmm. we also have like the, we have this like learning center in Nashville. It's a little, it's like a small pyramid, but it's on top of a hill. So you see it pretty prominently. Wild. Really makes you think. Back. What Bible stories were you going to run past? Because Robert, Robert didn't get to, he didn't grow up with felt Jesus like we did. He didn't grow up with like the little Jesus stories that you get told. I know every Jesus story, dude, from the dome, from the top of the head. I know them all. I could see you know all off the Jesus end. stories, dude. You got you, you're talking to a literal Jesus expert right now, okay? Absolute Jesus, Jesus expert. expert. Okay. What, what stories what, you got, Robert? What stories you got, Robert? Well, I mean, my main, I guess I'll throw it to y'all. Like, what? I mean, what? What's your favorite Jesus story or? Like which one are you like? No, like this. This is why I. This is why I stand him or I follow him. Like is that I like one or when is he it just showed up to story? the Americans and taught the <laughs> Americans the way of life too. That's what I liked. That was my favorite story. That that's what I said. Okay, you got my attention. <laughs> and they said if you pray to me hard enough, you can turn the tide of the Ukrainian war in 2022 is that, <laughs> we can that... do it <laughs> dude if you thought that guy was spicy you should come to oklahoma it's like they melted the... everyone here has a smooth brain that's just shake up in a big old jesus bottle it makes no sense here jt loves the people of that of, of uh, tulsa i do I, I love them i love them all except on yeah. sunday between eight to ten they have too much energy in their bodies and they gotta dance and gyrate and shake i feel like a man watching rock and rolls in the 50s being like they don't need to be moving that much <laughs> okay. uh, what's your favorite what 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 are you gonna run by andrew robert you had one that pulled up about because robert's on some jewish conspiracy right now okay oh yeah so i've read that when when jesus rose from his tomb 
mm-hmm. um, that the Jewish w- was it like the it was the Romans and the Jewish like priests they basically went around telling everyone no the apostles stole his body in the night when we were all asleep he didn't rise from the dead mm-hmm. is that is that what they yeah I mean that's in that's in uh, in Matthew um, I'll just find it. Wait, it actually says that Jesus didn't rise from the dead in the book of Matthew? No, it says that that was an accusation um, of the... Uh, oh, I was of, like, okay, like, the, the whole Jesus theory is falling apart. <laughs> if it says that in Matthew, that's like one of the first ones. No, that's number one of the New Testament. Yeah, let me see if I can, let me see if I can find the, uh, the section real quick. So Jesus crucified, death, buried. Um, I don't know. So like... Uh, in the end of Matthew, after Jesus' crucifixion, at the end of that chapter, we read the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how the, that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. That's them. They called Jesus the imposter there. Therefore, yeah. order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. And my guess is some people would read that and they'd say, okay, so what's happening there is after Jesus's death, the disciples went around. They took the body. They uh, said that he was risen from the dead, but he was actually still dead. And so when the Gospels were written, that was written in there to uh, like kind of accommodate that argument to, to does that make sense what i'm saying yeah they, they included it in there because they're like they knew that i guess it's just like to still it's, keep it like historically accurate in some some degree well it, i think it's, it's I, kind of the same argument as me being like if you read my journal and it's like yeah i got into a fender bender and i know i was not smoking weed at the time you know what i mean right it's that, like me getting ahead of that initial accusation like yeah well yeah. were you high no uh, <laughs> no i wasn't it's just written into the actual text instead of a clap back yeah and so i think what's difficult about so like i hear that argument i could see someone saying oh yeah what happened was is they're trying to later when they write the gospels put this in to like prevent people from making that argument but i think it would have been pretty hard for the disciples to get away with a thing like that especially um considering that like not just them but lots of other people said they saw jesus the jesus movement spread really fast and really broadly across every socioeconomic and ethnic bound um and also like the, the big part for me is um historically it's very likely that all but one of the disciples died on the belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, if that makes makes any sense, like they were willing to die for it. That seems quite strange to me. Like, I'm not willing to die for something that I know not to be true. Um, was that one disciple, was that odd man Judas or? No, Judas died, <laughs> Judas died pretty early. Like, you know, the, the, the disciple who didn't die um, from, they all died. The one who didn't oh, die yeah. from persecution was uh, was John. Isn't okay. that wasn't that an idea that John was still walking around for the longest time? Because there's this thing where it's like even those who and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just remembering something wrong. But I feel like at one point Jesus said something like, "Oh, I'm going to come back, and in fact, people that are in front of me right now are still going to be here. That's how soon I'm going to be back." So, like 500 yeah. years later, people were like, uh, "I can pretty much guarantee there's still a disciple alive walking yeah, around right now." I think that passage is probably about Jesus's resurrection and not his return. But the um. Yeah, John lived a long time, probably into his 90s, maybe a little bit earlier than that. 
Um, so his, the books that he wrote are some of the latest in the New Testament. So the Gospel of John is late compared to the other ones, and the book of Revelation is late, and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is late. They're, they're probably representations of John uh, at the end of his life. Uh, he was exiled but not persecuted, whereas like, like most people believe all 11 of the other disciples were, were, were martyred, put to death. Um, uh, most people think Paul was beheaded in Rome around 63. Uh, Peter was crucified sometime around then. Uh, you know, and uh, there's two problems. One is uh, some of this is from like later historical stuff. Some of it's from like kind of weird tradition, right? We don't know for sure on the details of all of this, right? Like you hear stories of Philip being boiled alive. I don't, I don't yeah. know uh, if Philip was boiled up. I do know that Christians were killed pretty regularly um for their beliefs and if you don't like it's like if yeah. you're one of the 12 disciples and you're saying oh yeah jesus was raised from the dead um and then uh and then people are like well we're going to kill you for believing that and you know it's not true you probably go actually it's not true <laughs> like jesus was not raised from the dead um, um well i think every religion has martyrs you right that doesn't right well here's the here's so I, you're correct every religion has martyrs um but some claims are like if you guys were there you could have known whether or not Jesus was risen from the dead. You could just go check or you could see him, right? You could see the risen Jesus or you could see the empty tomb or, or whatever. If I say to you, I heard from God and you should die for those beliefs, you may not believe me, but you can't verify whether or not God spoke to my brain. That's the tricky Maybe thing. That, yeah. cults, you know? What's that? That's the tricky thing with cults. and it's the tricky problems. thing with cults, right? Oh, yeah. So, so here's the thing is God if you talk confidently me, enough... Well, if you you're if if you talk confidently enough, I'll probably believe you're talking to God. <laughs> right, right. Well, like cults are the result of him. like I think a lot of people who want something and and just extremely confident, self-absorbed people who are willing to pretend like they can give it to them. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think that's, so. Like, there's a few things about Christianity that are particularly distinct. So, a religion being unique doesn't mean it's true. To be clear. But three things about it that I think are unique. Uh, one is it rests on a very absurd historical claim that someone came back to life after a public execution. Uh, meaning like, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that Jesus had all these teachings, he gave them to people and then people died for those teachings. I'm saying Jesus died and came back to life and people continue to persist in that belief. That's a unique, I don't know of another religion that has that similar quality. Baha'i. It makes sense. I don't know. I don't know what Baha'is think. Um, the Baha'is guy, they had a guy that was publicly executed, and like they all believe he came back to life. I was but this was like, like in the 80s or something. But the, the other thing that's strange is like, I'll read, like you hear about like the rising and dying lords of the first century, and Jesus is just one of many of them. But like the only only one that has... I don't know a still, single one of their name, right? Dunked on other guys. We talked about it last time. <laughs> Apollonius, like he appears in a dream. Uh, the other distinct thing about Christianity is it is... Um, not a moral program so uh meaning the primary uh like message of christianity is not how to live your life it is news about what christians believe god has already done in history so like um there is ethical uh uh teaching in the bible right do this don't do that do this don't do that here's vices here's virtues um but the kernel of christianity is not that it's actually saying uh jesus did a thing back in the first century and you now respond to that in belief or disbelief. Um, whereas a lot of religions, <clears throat> what they're attempting to do, either in good faith or not, is teach you how to live life now. And that's not the central um, message of Christianity. And then the other 
primary unique thing about Christianity that I don't know, if, I don't think is true in other religions. I don't, I don't know all the religions to be clear, but um, I don't think it's true. Is uh, the most important category of Christianity is that of substitution. Um, hmm. That uh, justice is done through the death of God's son. So, like um, the the message of the gospel is, human beings are evil; they're wicked and sinful. They've rebelled against God. They have both inherited that sin, but then ratified it in their own life. They've sinned themselves. If God is just, He has to deal with injustice and evil, right? And every religion believes that believes that God should deal with injustice. And if we've ever lived in a climate that is more um, like uh, sensitive to the idea of justice. I don't know if we ever have, like we care about justice a lot, particularly young people care about justice a lot. So we want justice to be done. Everyone wants, everyone actually does want justice to be done. Like the way you prove that is to say, like, if a serial killer killed a two-year-old, we would all be extremely angry. Is that right? It would make us yeah. more angry. If, if, if it would make us even more angry if on, on court day, the judge was just like, ah, actually you can just go. That's fine. Like that would make us even more, even more angry. We have a sense yeah. of justice. So the way Christianity deals with injustice is that uh, Jesus uh, lives a perfect life, being fully human, but also being fully God, can bear the wrath of God, goes to the cross, dies. The wrath of God is poured out on Jesus in our place. The Greek word is helisterion. He is um, like an atonement, and then he grants to us his righteousness. So he's our substitute. So that's why Paul in Romans says um, that... uh, this is how God can be both just, deal with wickedness, and be the justifier of the one who believes, uh, e- express mercy um, to those who accept Jesus' sacrifice. That's like the, the, the central teaching of Christianity. And I've been, I've been reading about like Islam and stuff like that, and I'm not sure that's true. I don't think that's true in Islam. I don't see that being true in, in – that might be true in downstream religions, so like Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormonism and stuff like that. They might believe some of those same things, but they believe them because the Bible taught them first. <clears throat> downstream religion seems kind of like a dunk on Jehovah Witnesses. There, what? What? <laughs> downstream? Uh, yeah, a little downstream. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's the so, bizarro version of what my brother's into. <laughs> well, but I would say that Christianity's downstream from Judaism, right? So when I say downstream, I don't mean false. I mean I think they're false, just to, to be clear. But but I don't. Something being downstream from something else doesn't mean that it's false. Um, uh, like um. So, like, Christianity is indebted to Judaism in in that it it. Uh, Robert loved in, that part. Did you see him nod? <laughs> I was like, hey, "Amen, hey, amen, hallelujah." Uh, and that's that's actually what's like the the biggest central conflict in early Christianity was that all the first Christians were Jews, all of them, right? So, yeah. all the first Christian leaders were Jews, all the first Christian believers were Jews, um, literally all of them were Jews, and they believed in Jesus as a Jewish Messiah who lived in a Jewish city who read jewish scripture and to their mind was the fulfillment of jewish scripture and so like the early question of christianity was like okay so like let's say a syrian wants to believe in jesus does he need to become a jew in order to become a christian like that's how like when we talk about like paul paul is uh the author of 13 letters in the new testament he's actually only the author of a small portion of the new testament when you combine the length of all those letters but he wrote a lot of letters right and so like one of the questions that scholars ask is, did Paul believe that he converted to Christianity or was he just reformed in a particular way? Like if you were to ask Paul, are you still a Jew? Would he have said yes? And would he, would he, he would just say, I'm a faithful Jew that has now uh, come to believe in, in the Jewish Messiah, if, if that makes sense. So Jew, are Jewish people still waiting on a Messiah, Robert? Yeah, essentially you know i i don't have is a, the job open yeah 
where do I apply? Well, well, like, sorry, like what Andrew just kind of <clears throat> described is that, yeah, Jesus was a Jew. Um, that's that's where the basis of a lot, you know, like the Old Testament. And I do think that's a pretty interesting question, though. Like, would Paul have considered himself Jewish, but just he recognized Jesus as the Messiah? Or was would, would he say, like, no, I'm a Christian or like, I'm this now? Yeah, I, so he, he probably said both, to be honest, right? Like, I think yeah. he would have said, I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, I don't think he would have said that he converted out of Judaism, right? So what's what's yeah. interesting, even in the New Testament, uh, like the foils to Jesus in the Gospels are the Pharisees, right? You're like, Pharisees come on, we're like, boo, the Pharisees, and Jesus is really hard on the Pharisees. But the Pharisees probably were, um, I mean, this is kind of like an etic statement. I'm like a white Protestant male from the 20th century saying this, but I would say when I read the Old Testament and I read the Pharisees, they were probably the group of Jews at the time who most faithfully understood the Old Testament. Because just like today, there's all kinds of different Jews, all kinds of different Christians, all kinds of different Muslims. Uh, there are different denominations or, or parties with, within Judaism at the time. There's not just one monolithic Judaism. But then those yeah. same Pharisees, who are the literary enemies of Jesus in the Gospels, are probably the group of people who in greatest number um, uh, come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah in the book of Acts, right? So um, when you're reading the book of Acts, which is the story of the church shortly after the, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, um, a number of Pharisees, with the, the sort of, uh, they call them like sort of law-abiding Jews uh, who had become Christians, they, they, become, they had become Christians. Um, I don't know why I said that, uh, but that's, that's a thing that I believe. I can't remember why I said that. I think Andrew's trying to say that the Pharisees were the best Jews, in his opinion, that they were the most faithful, and that's why so many of them became Christian. Is that, is that your take? I don't know if they became Christian because they were the best Jews. I just think that they, un they seem to understand Judaism the best, right? So, like, we don't have a full— like, <laughs> They just see so it. Like, Jose jo Josephus, um, Josephus uh, is an early Jewish historian, right, writing not long after the life of Jesus, and he divides Judaism into four categories. Um, he has the uh, Pharisees, which is probably the largest group and the most influential with people. Then the Sadducees, which were what we call a Hellenized group. So um, a big conflict in Judaism in, in the centuries leading up to Jesus and the century of Jesus was um, Hellenization. So <clears throat> permit me just a moment to talk about this. Um, Alexander the Great uh, conquers like the known world. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And he does it before the age of 30, and then he dies. But what he does along with conquering places is he brings in Hellenistic thought, ideas, and culture. And so a big conflict within Judaism was how much do we as Jews give in to Hellenism, the Greekification of our culture, and how much do we, do we not do that? And so Sadducees are like, we don't care about Hellenization. We're happy to be Hellenized. Uh, we'll take the things we like. We'll disregard things we don't like. And Pharisees, along with other uh, sections in Judaism, were like, no, no, Hellenization is an adulteration of pure religion. We're not going to be Hellenized. Um, so the Sadducees are Hellenized. Okay, just, there's two other types after those. Yeah, the, the Essenes were the group of people that probably lived out of Qumran. They're probably the group of people who produced the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were kind of like separatists. They like kind of rejected, uh, they kind of rejected the temple. Um, they were kind of separatists. They lived out in the desert. They had their own teacher, the teacher of righteousness. They did a bunch of weird stuff. Um, lots and lots of baptism and stuff like that. And then the fourth group are the zealots. Um, 
people who basically were like, we're going to militarily rise up against Rome and stab them out of Jerusalem. Yeah, I know that um, word. Zealots. Zealots yeah. I've that one before. And so, like, zealots are either terrorists or freedom fighters, depending on whether you're Roman or Jewish. So, the, yeah, there's different, different versions of Judaism at the time. Then there's also Samaritans, which were in many ways Jewish, um, but in some ways were, were not. They only believed in the Torah, the first five books. They had their own temple on Mount Gerizim, so a different temple. They had different practices, stuff like that. And the Pharisees were the ones that were down for Jesus? I mean, when you read the book of Acts, it seems to be the case that a lot of Pharisees converted to Christianity. I mean, I think people converted to Christianity because Jesus came back to life. And I think it was hard for people to deny that fact. I realize that, you know, other people don't think that. But I, I have a hard time explaining the emergence of Christianity without it. It's, it's just quite simply hard to explain. I don't There's know. It's a sociological if- phenomenon. Art Locker as a podcast has taken. You had to be there, JC. All right, he fucking came out of the tomb. All right. Well, yeah, I think everyone here would agree with that. The Fart Locker as an official stance. I think we've only made one statement. Oh no, two statements. One of them, you know, Palestine should be free, river to sea. And then, aren't we anti? Oh, medical examiners. We call them cops. Yeah. Yeah, we don't like medical examiners. Those are our two Fart Locker on the opinions. Medical examiners, practically police officers. We don't like them. And, you know, Palestine's got to be free. What is a medical examiner? They're like the, I don't know, ask Bill Clinton. Um, (laughs) That is pretty interesting. Well, no, because, so a couple weeks ago, we, I I brought up this, like, criminal case from a girl who used to go to my high school, and now she's facing a murder charge in Miami. And I mentioned the medical examiner when they did the autopsy on the, the guy's body, you know, he was saying that, no, this was an intentional stab wound. It was three inches deep. You couldn't have thrown the knife in self-defense. And JT, um, he, he made the stance, you know, he said, and he, he said, no, we don't believe them unless he's like, cause of the Clintons. Mm-hmm. But it, just to loop it all back around though, I was listening to a right. true, true crime podcast <laughs> And apparently back in like the late, the late eighties, there's these boys who were shot and killed in uh, Arkansas and boys they were on laid the tracks. Out. Yeah. The boys on the tracks. Um, and the medical examiner for the state at the time, he was appointed by Bill Clinton, who was governor and he was just getting shit wrong left and right on the boys. Body. something, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But anyways, like he was, Clearly had been shot, blunt force trauma, but he was like, no, these kids got really high and they laid down on the tracks to s- fall asleep. Yeah. I, they'd I also saw- be like two shots in the head and they'd be like, looks like a suicide to me. And Yuri yeah. would bump Clinton. <laughs> like, that, that's how they do it these days, just, just bumping each other. But then there's another guy they found dead in a forest who had like three shotgun blasts to him. And he tried to say, no, that was self-inflicted. That was suicide. And okay, so, so there's when- some, some shaggings going on. Yeah, and so, so when like the victims' families were trying to like call him out on it, and like we need a second opinion, um, and even you know going to the the government at the time, you know Bill Clinton was coming out being like, oh well, he's overworked, he's doing the best job he can, you know. Oh, there's the we like okay. um, like just you oh, know because we'll, Clinton was the governor of Arkansas, huh? Yeah, and yeah, he's he running was cocaine with his brother. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. But that's that's when, just where the medical examiner thing comes in for us, Andrew. Gotcha. Yeah, you feel very strongly about medical examiners. We yeah, don't you, like them. Yeah, you got to make you got to make stances at some point in your life. A E A B. All you, medical examiners, every one of them. 
I uh, I had this thought. This is very off topic, and you can cut this if you want. But like, all my friends are in their 30s now, and they all w- will get prostate exams from their doctors, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Very common for men to get prostate exams now. And I think back to like our grandpas, and our grandpas. Do you think if they knew, they'd be like, "You guys are doing what? No, no, no. You die from colon cancer like a man." Like, I just yeah. wonder if they would just be blown away by what men are permitting in the doctor's office. Now. Grandpa, grandpa would be like, wait, you're getting a doctor to do that. <laughs> I think your wife can do that at home. Plenty fine. Thank you. Two responses. Like, it's like, you're not going to have the missus do it to you. It's yeah. Like, have yeah. something you yeah. love to it. You know, it just seems so odd. Like it just seems odd. Like I cannot imagine my grandpa being like, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, every I guy think- I know will do it. I, I couldn't imagine a doctor. A doctor would get in there and he'd be like, wow, you sure do keep a tidy bakery. I'd say, yeah, I know what I'm doing back there, boss. I can educate you. I can take you under my wing, big dog. I'd say, anyway. you got an absolute prostate expert in front of you right now, sir. And he's like, please quit bending over. Please, sir, I understand. <laughs> Anyways, it's Robbie, my day off. How'd you get in here? <laughs> I that out with some technical difficulties. It's just something that's been on my mind the last couple of days. No, I mean, I think that's fair. That's a pretty good... That is pretty interesting. It's like, what else would they say? You're doing what to the, you're what now? I wonder, I just wonder. For your health? Right. I just wonder if our, if our grandpas would be like, you dorks. I cannot believe you're doing that. (laughs) Yeah. I think we get paid how much? (laughs) You You get paid how much? You're like, well, I paid a portion of it. The the government didn't pay any of it, but there's an insurance company. Explaining (laughs) insurance companies to people in the UK were like, like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, you pay a fee um, to get insurance. They're like, okay, then you're done. No, when you go to the doctor, you also pay a copay. Like, oh, then you're done. No, you still have to pay part of it until you meet your deductible. You're like, who's getting all this money? <laughs> Wish we could figure that out. Unfortunately, pharma, it's just a, the hard truth of Big life. insurance. Somebody. Big medical. It's all the big. Ins- insurance sales seems like an easy job. I talk to people that they say they're in sales. Like, what do you sell? Insurance. I'm like, so they're calling you, though, right? Saying, hey, I need insurance. Yeah. And then you just get yeah. their credit card number. That seems like a pretty easy sales job in my mind. I want to get into that business right there. Seems like there's something there. All right, what else you got, Robert? What are the questions you got? Mm, let's see. For the Reformation special. The, the spooky Reformation, Reformation special. Yeah, because Halloween is tomorrow. Um, here, let me get let me get my Bible back up. Yeah, you tried to say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Dr. Andrew Kelly did not like that one bit dunked on you quickly, Robert. <laughs> well, no, I, I was reading that. Like, that's that was the f- part I was reading, like, when you when you came in. And I was just like, yeah. hey, like, you know, that's, so, like, that's pretty the, wild. The, when, so here's what happens. So I read a lot of New Testament scholarship. A lot of it is not written by Christians, right? And the consensus of New Testament scholarship is, uh, like, threefold, right? One is that... Uh, Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross by Pontius Pilate outside the city of Jerusalem. Every single New Testament historian, with the exception of a couple who um, were already committed Muslims before they became New Testament scholars, because the the Quran teaches that Jesus was not crucified. But aside from that, everyone agrees, of absolutely historically verifiable fact, Jesus was crucified, totally uncontroversial. And the other thing that most people believe is that early Christians, and what I'm not saying here is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Like I personally believe that, but I'm not saying when I say this next statement, that's not what I'm claiming. I'm claiming that early Christians for one reason or another, all believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, and then the third fact is a lot of them believed it so much that they were willing to die for it. So um, it's this weird catch 22 that scholars get into like 
like you say, how do you explain both the death of Jesus as one of the most historically verifiable facts, really in history? Like it's pretty verifiable, yeah. along with along with the the historical fact that lots and lots of people believe that he was raised from the dead. And that's that again doesn't like prove the resurrection, but it's hard to explain that sort of thing. Um, many of the many of the like they have these you you there's a number of like competing theories for the crucifixion resurrection, right? Um, one is that Jesus was not actually crucified, um, that he was taken down from the cross before he was dead. But that's pretty unlikely. Most people don't believe that anymore. Romans were great at crucifying people. Um, Isn't that like a world record, though, is like fastest crucifixion ever? Isn't that why people have get to get uh, traction on that like conspiracy? It's like crucif- didn't crucifixions take days. Usually they like starve to death before they bleed I mean, out. They could, but Jesus was beaten nearly death before he was put on the cross is the contention, right? So like crucifixion is wild, right? Like Jesus wasn't the only one that was crucified. Lots of people were crucified. And uh, people like Romans would literally take like, you know, r- revolters, rebels, and they would just nail them to trees and leave them, right? Like um, pe- people were getting crucified left and right. So my guess is there's a pretty wide range. Like crucif- the, the formal way you die from crucifixion is by um, asphyxiation. So when you're, when you're nailed up and your arms are up, and you're, the weight of your body's holding you down. You can't really breathe. You have to push up on your nailed and feet to breathe. And eventually, people become just too weak to do that and die from being unable to breathe. But you die a lot of ways. You die because you incurred wounds before you got crucified. You die from uh, exposure. You die from bleeding out. Like there's other ways that you can die. Yeah. Yeah. They very slow and painful method. It was the style at the time for the Romans because you know showmanship was pretty big for them. It was yeah, the style at the time. <laughs> it's a statement, right? So, like, all, all law is backed by the uh, by the threat of violence. JT and I have talked about this, right? So, Roman law was backed, in some cases, by the threat of crucifixion. And crucifixion is not, like, a super um, efficient way to, like, kill people. But it's yeah. a very efficient way to, like, scare a population, right? Um, so, if you're trying to keep a population down, you crucify someone publicly and say, don't do what they did, or we'll do this to you also. Especially when hey, it's right I'm outside the city gate. Wow. I don't want to get crucified. No one does, I don't think. Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry me. I said, you mean pick up my blunt and chill? <laughs> I said, I think that's what I heard, sir. <laughs> that's yeah, the hippie all, movement of Jesus. This is a Jesus freak movement. It's also pretty strange to consider the fact that the like number one enduring symbol in Christianity is the cross itself. Like In churches, on necklaces, like on t-shirts, like we have literally the thing that killed Jesus. Like Educate us. Think about how wild that is. Before we head out, because the, the cross was not the first Christian symbol, right? Well, which one are you thinking of? No, I mean, like, wasn't like there earlier symbols that predate the cross in Christianity, like things like a little fish, because that was a code oh. and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I don't actually so know. You're, you have a PhD in this type of stuff. That's why I'm asking yeah, you. So I'm not telling I don't, you. I actually don't know how early the fish was. So like, um, the cross became an important symbol. Uh, it was important enough that people like when there's like a, um, ancient Roman, uh, graffiti, a graffito, uh, that depicts like a, a donkey being, pre- uh, being crucified. And it's like, you know, here's Stephanus worshiping his God. Um, and so the cross clearly was ubiquitous enough that people who were like criticizing Christianity at the time knew that Christians like cared about the symbol of the cross. There is uh, a thing called an ichthus, which is the Greek word for fish. <clears throat> and ichthus is, I forget what it's called, it's an acrostic. Um, 
So each letter, uh, it's iota, uh, key, theta, uh, upsilon, sigma. And those are the first letters of the statement, Jesus Christ, Son of God, um, uh, Savior, sorry, God, Son, Savior. So ichthus. Um, and that was probably a symbol. I didn't really do a lot of iconography stuff, so I'm not really sure. He's a soldier. Yeah, get it done. Um, I think I, I recently listened to a podcast series yeah. that's designed for like atheist or agnostics uh, by a guy that I like named Tim Keller. <clears throat> it's called Questioning Christianity. Um, and like, I don't know how many, like, so uh, honestly, I realize we're on a podcast, like you may not have these questions in earnest, but if you do, uh, have questions, I think some of the best stuff is done by Tim Keller. It's very interesting stuff. The Mormons also have a YouTube called like discovering the Bible or something, or the Bible project. I'm not going to, not going to like get behind Mormon uh, stuff. But, no, uh, but it's from the, but they tell stories from the Bible. It's really good. Oh, it's like a five minute. If you want to know the story of freaking, I don't know, Sodom and Gomorrah. A or spicy Moroni. Man. Or Morona. Oh yeah, I like him. He's the guy that comes to Earth with a big horn for us, right? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not a Mormon. Well, we all agree that it's a testament in the Bible. None of us are Mormons, but we all agree that it's a testament in maybe not our Bible, not my Bible. In a Bible. But yeah, it's a testament in the Bible, right? <laughs> I just remembered my question. All right. All I right. just hook me up. Okay, so Andrew, going back to. Dead Sea Scrolls and the the very early texts they were written in yeah. Hebrew and then Greek. Is there a lot that's like lost in translation? You know, going from Greek then to Latin then to because you know then they get it gets um, pressed by Gutenberg into like Germ you know the Germanic like local languages and then okay. like English. Mm -hmm. So is there is there a lot of? I guess my question is, has it changed? Yeah, like the King James Bible, it was King James. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, no, he kind of doctored it to how he wanted it to be for mm -hmm. his people. But yeah, it, like how much was like lost in translation or like interpreted? Like, well, so every, everything's, in, everything's interpreted, right? You, you never read yeah. anything or hear anything about interpreting it, right? Even just what I'm saying to you now, you're interpreting, right? Your brain has to hear the words I'm saying and decide what they mean, right? Um, but, uh, the answer is, um, th this is true. You could look this up elsewhere. The, you're asking kind of two questions. Yeah. One, one is when we, when we have, uh, let's say a Greek copy of the Bible, how close is that to what was originally written? That's one question, right? And yeah. the answer is extremely close. Uh, not exactly, but extremely close. And most Text critic is textual criticism is the field that tries to decide using all the papyri and manuscripts we have today. What did the original say? What is the most likely earliest uh, original readings? Basically, it's it's pretty well agreed on that what we have is extremely close to whatever was originally written. And there's not a lot of debate there. There's debate about little things here and there. Um, like I just preached on a passage this weekend in which it, there's a word that we're not sure which word was here in the beginning, and it's either uh, a parkane or parkase. One means the first fruits, one means from the beginning, 
it doesn't really have a great bearing on what the text means itself. Um, but we're not 100% sure. And that's kind of a more extreme one. Usually it's like, yeah. was the word spelled this way or that way? Was there an article here or not an article here? Or if it's a wild reading, we all know that it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts because it's it's not. It's always in, in late ones or whatever. So that question is, the question the answer to that question is not really. Uh, has it changed? Yeah, like a little bit, but not in any significant way, not in any way that we're concerned about. There's two large passages in the Bible that we don't think were in the original documents, but appear in almost every English translation because we kind of have a tradition of including them. And most Bibles have a note that say, these verses don't appear in the earliest and best manuscripts. And that's John 7, 53 through 8, 11. You're the story where guys are about to stone a young woman and Jesus walks up and saw starts drawing in the sand. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. Okay. So he starts drawing in the sand. He says to them, he who committed the first sin, stoner, and they all put their stones down and go away. That doesn't appear to be in the earliest manuscripts of the Bible. So usually our English translations will have a note that says, hey, this actually wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. We don't think it's from the original, but we're including it because historically it's been included a lot. So there's like a note there. Um, the other question, are they lost in translation? Your the English Bibles we have today are not translated from Latin. They're not translated from German. It's not a sequential translation. So it's not like it goes Greek and then Latin and then German and then English. All your English translations go right back to the Greek. Okay. So they're not translating from one one to the next. Um, <laughs> so like my, I don't, I don't have my Greek Bible, I guess, with me. But like when I'm, there's a standard um, Greek text called the NA28. It's put together by hundreds of scholars of varying like faith backgrounds, uh, atheists and Jews and Christians and agnostics. And so they all kind of together make choices about what they think was in the original text. Our, our Greek, our English Bibles are typically translated from that. Translation There's a super text that you guys all, that scholars in general agree, this is kind of the Frankenstein of the closest thing that we think Christians in the first couple of centuries were reading. Yes, yeah, so it's a critical text. It's it's a text done by experts, not in theology, but experts in the Greek language. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're and doing. And that's where the so, Bible gets translated from. So, yeah, so our uh, New Testaments are translated from that. And, um, and there's a couple different traditions. There's a few weird things here and there, like um, there's different text families. The King James Version is based off of just like 13 texts put together. Uh, but even even that's not really, it's still very similar. Um, so Christians don't claim that the English New Testament they have in their hands today is, is inerrant um, because we know there are errors. Uh, they claim that the original texts were inerrant. And that's a theological presupposition. It's not, it's not one that's argued from history. Back in high school, like I, I did a report on Martin Luther and like yeah. kind of broad strokes. But, you know, one of his... Another one of his beliefs was that, like, the Bible was up to interpretations, and that everyone should be able to read it. Yeah. So, so that that was one of the fundamental disputations during the Reformation. Um, so, at the time, and I think still today, Catholics would say that we we uh, we can hear from God through the Bible and through the authority of the institutionalized Church, specifically the Holy Roman Catholic Church, and. Mm -hmm. The Holy Roman Catholic Church is the one that tells you how to interpret the Bible. And at the time of Luther's writing, the Bible was exclusively either in the original languages or it was in Latin. One of those two things. Yeah. The Vulgate is what we often call the Latin translation of the Bible. And Luther said, no, 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 no. Uh, there's not just one true church. And the church doesn't have the authority to speak on behalf of God. Only the Bible does that. Um, so the premise is it is not God's people that create God's word. It's God's word that creates God's people. Therefore, the church does not possess that type of authority. I think there's other types of authority that the church possesses, but that's not one of them. 
Um, and so Luther's contention was people should be able to read and understand the Bible for themselves. So he gets the Bible translated in, into German, which is, by the way, still the translation that German Christians use today. They still use Luther's translation. Um, and I, like, really? I, read, I read like, so I know Greek and I read Luther and Calvin and I can tell that they knew Greek, like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. But Does I, I guess, German sound the same though? Is it like their King James, where it's like they got these and thous? With like I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I have a friend named Samuel who says no. It's pretty, pretty easy to read. Pretty word for Volkswagen. word. Volkswagen. So, like, what, no. what, J, what JT is saying is, if you pull up a King James version, the English sounds dated. It sounds like Shakespeare, right? Uh, um, but there's okay. there's Middle English. That, yeah, that will not sound strange to you. Uh, he was asking. So German. Uh, that was like the. Luther's translation was even earlier than that. Is it because because languages evolve over time? JT, one of the reasons for that is English. Um, so uh, let's get into some language stuff if, if you don't mind. Language is wild. It's totally descriptive, meaning like there are no actual linguistic rules. We all just make agreements on what words mean and how they're used. There, there's no there's no intrinsic um, meaning to language. Language is always endowed with meaning by the speakers of. German is not a widely spoken language. So because it's not spoken very widely, it's not, not as susceptible to change. So English is spoken as a major language, not just by like, you know, European Western countries, America, Australia, uh, England, uh, Ireland, stuff like that. It's also spoken as a predominant language in huge swaths of Africa. So there is legitimate African English. It is no less English than my English, but it's very different. Uh, it's also spoken by hundreds of millions of people in India. Who have a different version of English than than I have, but it's not a, a less reasonable version of English. It's actually, to my mind, a bit racist to say that their English is worse than mine. It's, it's funny it's people used different. to pride themselves on calling themselves grammar Nazis, and it's like no, that's, that's that's like actually a form of white supremacy. It's just very big. It's very like heady. So if I say, yeah, you saying you telling a black guy that when he said, hey y'all, he sounded dumb. It's really hard for me to explain to you that's racist without kind of giving you a background like you just did about how language changes, right? And it's right, like that right. language is just as, you know, verifiable when you're saying how y'all is hey you, you know, it means yeah. the same thing. Language is an ocean, baby. It's liquid. Right. And so and so because English is, is spoken not just by so many people, but by so many different regions, it changes more rapidly. And it's kind of the lingua franca of the world right now. Like um you guys may know this, but like if you go to any place where there's tons of people who speak tons of different languages. The language we all speak together is English. And that's because of sort of the, the history of colonialism and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, thanks so it's spoken everywhere. What's that? Yeah. Thanks. For thanks. For it. It. I mean, and, and America, <laughs> but whatever the, uh, <laughs> we've done some, Hey, stuff. we, I mean, we relate to the game, you know, we I think, the, I we think, the the and I, of it. I think technically we were second string. I think we literally England said, Hey, tag in for a minute. And then we just kind of went loco, like the game and Rudy. You know I mean? yeah. We just went crazy. <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I looked at Cuba so, and we're like, yeah, that's an easy get. Uh, <laughs> after that, after that, we were hooked on imperialism. But I, but I think like when I talk to my friends who are Spanish speakers, I think Spanish yeah. is similar to English in that way. And that like Spanish is spoken in a pretty wide range of places all over the world. Like there's like Filipino Spanish and there's all kinds of different Spanish in, in South America and Central America. There's like Spanish from Spain. Um, and and Spanish. What's that? It, you know, Spanish, English, and I think Mandarin, and I don't know what the fourth one is, but like those are like the top three languages spoken around the world. Yeah, yeah, I, I would yeah. totally, I would totally believe that. And so that's why, that's why when you read King James, like this feels really old. It feels really old because English changes really, really rapidly, and the internet has only accelerated the change of of English. Yeah, yeah, we gotta unplug the internet. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
That would be good. <laughs> that seems like it's done some bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. If we could stop the internet, would you guys do it? I don't know. I honestly think about that. Like it does a lot of good. Yeah, if if the if the good Lord himself came down and said, by the way, Joseph Smith was right, here's a little button. If you click <laughs> it, we'll turn that'd be the funniest. If we got to heaven and Mormons are right, I I would be like, Wow, I can't oh, believe good. that little kernel in my heart was true. <laughs> the, good, the good news is you get in anyways if the Mormons are right. Yeah, the Mormons well, here's the thing. When I found out Joseph Smith like used to do like magic and he was a con man and he was like making his own banks, I'm like, that's tight. Like, you cannot convince me that guy's not freaking tight. You know what I mean? I'm not not a good guy for sure. Definitely a bad guy. I don't like definitely like marrying 14 year olds and stuff. We don't like that he did that. Boo that. <laughs> Starting banks, running from the feds, convincing people that he was in a militia and getting into the joint fake militias. That's tight. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're that is an absolute G move. You are pretending to be a Freemason so you can borrow someone's gun so you can rob them that's awesome jt knows a lot about mormonism yeah about dude, here's the thing i dove in i was like i was like ready i was like i could join mormonism they're not they're not as cool as they seem though <laughs> <laughs> they weren't as it's cool like, as being interpreted JT, it speaking from some person's experience so he's like i tried yeah. it out wasn't my thing yeah i showed up yeah, with my wife and i was like we're here for more wives and they were like we've heard that joke before and i was like what do you mean joke what do you guys can't take the cool <laughs> part out of your religion I was like, I wanted like, four or five obedient wives. And they're like, well, they're not really obedient anymore. And I'm like, then I'm not interested. I don't want four women mad at me. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> JT, like, have you been going to like a different church every week since you've moved to Tulsa? They are all horrible, respectfully. I'm, I can't wait to break bread with all of them in heaven. I'm so glad we all take communion together. I'm on their team. I'm happy to have them around. They are psycho. Everyone's psycho, right? We're all. Everyone's a little weird. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying what they're new. It isn't good. A lot of them take care of disabled people and give to homeless people. And I say, keep those churches up, guys. But I go in there and they're yabba dabba doing. They're spinning around. They're anointing each other on oil. They're they're speaking in different languages. And, and gonna, is it Pentecostal? You're going to Pentecostal churches? Yeah, everyone yeah. is. Every so every church in Tulsa is secretly charismatic, Pentecostal, and fundamentalist at the same time. And it is. Every every church we've been to has police with guns on their hip in the in the auditorium, which I'm like, I've never read the Bible and been like, you know, Jesus should have just hired some of the Roman soldiers. Jesus should have just outsourced the violence. Off the Jesus soldiers. turned the other cheek when when he's turning, he's looking at the Roman soldiers. And he goes, get him. <laughs> JT, you should you should read uh, uh, a book by a guy named Esau McCulley called Reading While Black, and it's um, I think pretty good, like. Uh, discussions of some of those issues of policing in the new testament roman soldiers what what is jesus's view of that stuff he's writing as a uh as a as a black man and thinking about some of those issues it's pretty interesting you think jesus was black jesus was probably middle eastern robert you think jesus was black i'm gonna defer to ann i'm i'm in the same school of thought as andrew he's probably middle eastern yeah that's my guess although i don't, I don't know yeah. can we go back like like Race. The answer to that is well. I don't think race existed in the same way back well, then. Well, black's, a, a, modern black's a color. That's why you say Middle well, Eastern. I'm like, yeah, you could be a Middle Eastern with a really dark black-like color. But like, don't like modern. Like, so I think one of the weird things. I think both modern critical race theorists and anti-critical race theorists both say that race is a construct, right? Um, but and yeah, so race. It's a social construct. Colors. And we to make science behind it but it didn't really work right so what like my question is like when i think back to i don't know uh the middle east two thousand years ago 
And I say, oh yeah, he's probably Middle Eastern. Well, what if Middle Eastern people looked and had all kinds of features back? Like, I don't know what, what Jesus looked like. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's any way that we can know that. You have like, um, the shroud of know, Torin. Oh yeah, I, I, does that show you like his features? I don't Isn't that a picture of Jesus? I'm googling a shroud of Torin real quick. I'm pretty sure the shroud of Torin. Yep, it's the first thing that comes up. Shroud of Torin, also known as the Holy Shroud, is a length yeah. of linen cloth bearing a negative image of a man. Some describe this image as depicting Jesus of Nazareth. And now that's actually the same Jesus Andrew's been talking about. <laughs> uh, and it's believed to be the burial shroud in which he was wrapped after his crucifixion. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we got to sure Jesus. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. Some, of these, uh, some of these relics, man. How like many? The relic, the relic market. Yeah, there's I like twelve. There's like twelve. Uh, twelve nails. Like this is one of the nails that. Uh, there's like twelve of them. You're like, I think the most you get out of that is three. So they nine of those at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, I don't know. It's wild. But yeah, church, new church every weekend. We're we're still chopping. We like them. You know what I mean? It's a good time. We like the ones that have donuts in the lobby. We don't like the ones that have cops in the lobby. But sounds those like two circles, unfortunately, that Venn diagram is practically a circle in Tulsa, let me tell you. They, they go, so you tell them we got donuts here? Now we can't keep them out. <laughs> uh, Robert, you going to church in Nashville? No. No? Andrew goes Wait. to church like twice, three times a week. Well, like this weekend I went three, but I also preach this weekend, so I went three times. It's like his full-time job. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like it's like he gets paid to do this, JT. Hey, yeah, you pay me I there. I'd, to, I'd stop making fun of the Abinabadoers. So I'll anoint oil on someone's head and say I'm an apostle for the right price. No, there are no. What do you think about mod- you? Don't think they're mod? You know that's a big thing in Tulsa. There's a lot of apostles. Yeah, there. yeah, I think they're all liars and charlatans. Well, hang on. You could have said the same thing about Apostle Paul, right? You could have. Yeah, some people so, do. Well, don't sound like those guys. You got to choose the charlatans you want to believe. All right. You can't believe them all and you can't not believe them all. That's kind of the. You got to pick. You got to pick your apostles. I'll go with the original apostles. You give me. You give me a holy book. Three inches thick. That thick. You you wrote off the dome. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my books of the Bible. Okay. Joseph Smith. He's he's the best. He's the best apostle I know about from his modern history. Apparently, there's this guy in Greenville named Apostle Ray Tensman, I think. Yes, he's that, great. He can write scripture and, and, yeah, and he can take he, away your salvation, too. Yeah, he says he can write scripture and take away your salvation, that he was there when John wrote Revelation, all kinds of crazy stuff. There's a dozen of those churches, and they all have an apostolic leadership, and they all grow beards. I'm down, yeah. That he's guy's crazy. in Ohio, right? I think he's in Greenville, which I think is North Carolina. Oh, he's so good. But they, but what, what is that church organization called? It's some apostolic something. Yeah, but you don't believe apostol? You don't believe in that? No, I think an apostle is someone who is personally sent out by, like, the resurrected Lord in his earthly ministry. Um, and so, like, uh, I don't think apostles can exist today axiomatically. Like, if you believe Jesus had to bodily send you out, Jesus's body is no longer with us. It's somewhere, to be clear, but it's not with us. And so, um, so you, you can't have apostles. Let me ask. So, but Paul became an apostle after Jesus died. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Paul met the resurrected Lord, right? Okay. What about yeah. Apollonia, the woman apostle? Well, not Apollonia. Uh, that's Prince's. That's Prince's wife. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's uh, 
no, uh, she's written about, and she's like, Paul says you were in, she was in blah, blah, blah before me. She got a lady name. She's a female apostle. You're pretending like I, you don't know what I'm talking about, Andrew. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're, you're PhD in New Testament. You don't I'm know who. I'm not 100% sure what you're talking about. So there's, um, uh, there's I'm Googling Junia in yep. Romans. Un- so I don't Junia. think she's called an apostle. I don't think she's called an I could be wrong, but I don't think she's called an apostle. Junia, a woman apostle named inscription. This is the first thing that comes up if you Google Junia. Is that in Romans 16? Yeah. If she is an apostle, then she was sent out by the resurrected Lord. She met him. She wasn't She wasn't breaking bread with Jesus in the flesh. I would she say was that breaking bread with the resurrected Jesus. Yeah. I Doesn't resurrected Jesus like walk through walls and have like ghost magic? Not magic, but ghost vibes where he's like going in and out of reality. Yeah. So the historic Christian belief there is that Jesus's body upon resurrection is a glorified body. So it retains enough of itself that you would recognize him. It's still physical. He still eats and stuff like that. But he also has properties that weren't displayed in his earthly ministry. He like seems to teleport at one point, stuff like that. But like we believe that about so like that's the, the thing that Christians believe. Christians be, don't believe that you die and go to heaven. Christians believe that you die, and on the last day, uh, you're raised from the dead and get, you're given your body back, and it's a renewed body. What happens to people that are like uh, burnt to death? Like everyone that died in nine eleven, will they not enter the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> Dude, that 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 has. I mean, I don't think it's a thing that we argue about today. But that was a question that Christians had for many years. Like Jesus still had his wounds when he was raised from the dead, right? Uh-huh. So what about what about the guy that's head was cut off? And there's like literally, I think it's the Notre Dame. There's a saint standing there, and it's a picture of the resurrection at the end, and he's holding his head um, because they're like, well, he he died by getting his head cut off. Uh, but I think the typical answer is uh, today, no, no, we we think that you'll you'll be given your body back. Like neither neither a grave nor an urn could keep the Lord from snatching you back to life. But he couldn't no, fix the heels on Jesus's ribs. I heard two questions there. Go, Robert, you, you go first, please. No, I was, I, I was just saying, there's no hole deep enough to get away from that pole. Background. Ain't no mountain pole. high, ain't no valley low, ain't no fire hot enough, baby. Right, that's that's the contingent of Christians, right? If Jesus can speak, so we also believe that Jesus uh, was the agent of creation. If he can cause the entire universe to pop into existence through words, he can. Um, raise anyone back to life he, he wishes what would you say if a fellow scholar because andrew's not just saying this andrew's a scholar he's, he's how you spent 12 years in school oh i i don't know and and, and i spent one two three ten ten years in college a decade reading the bible what if another guy a decade deep comes up to you he's like hey man i also read the bible i think it's bs oh what yeah i mean i talk i i encounter those guys all the time what do you say to those guys what do I say to them? Yeah, well, because it, the con- you mean how do I? How would I respond? Yeah, if I like, said, "Hey, Dr. Andrew Kelly, I'm—I mean, your master, you're teaching my school, right? I'm in my mm-hmm. master's program," and I said, "Yeah, I think this is BS, buddy. I think this is just a story." What do you say? So do you I, don't, I don't know anyone. I don't know any scholars who would say the whole thing is BS. Most of them will say something like, "Yeah, some of it's reliable, some of it's not," <laughs> and I would just say, I, "I think the evidence is pretty convincing. It's reliable, but people are going to come down to different sides of that." You seem to have a very like Jewish approach to the Christian. So that, you know, like you're not actively trying to convert or convince people. Well, I would like, love to convert you and convince you if you'd like that. Um, but the the I mean, uh, 
I'm just don't a give lazy... him a chance, Robert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so, I'm not saying like I'm atheist or agnostic. It's just like you know, I was raised Christian, but kind of through you know the modern family, it's like we just stopped going to church. Right. And I've had my own questions of belief, which I think everyone goes through. But like, yeah. I still do believe in like, you know, the story of Jesus and his resurrection. You believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Yeah. Oh, then your life should Ofi- conform to that, Robert. <laughs> official, official fart locker stands. Jesus has risen. <laughs> oh, okay. Dude, for the Reformation special, what if I stood up and my penis was out? For the Reformation special, we have Next our week. final third fart locker yeah. official stance. This is Next big. week, I, I, I get to go to church and be like, I went on a podcast and converted everyone on the podcast. It was amazing. Um, I Our think dozens uh, of loyal listeners that you probably well, no, know, but like, <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say like, I'm walking in here already, like, you know, believing that it's just to that belief. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, you know, getting to pick your brain, you know, for the past hour and a half has been very interesting because, you know, the most I've been able to pick anyone's brain on Christianity, it's been like a youth pastor back in the day. And, you know, the right. reason why I, I started questioning a lot of it is like, I just didn't believe them or like, you know, I, they always had that predisposed sort of like, no, this is what you should believe and like what you, you know, kind of like, you know, keeping the whole like, we, we need to retain you and make sure, you know, you're a strong believer. Oh, sure. like, yeah. And, and, you know, like Jewish people, like, you know, they, they, they claim that, you know, they are God's chosen people and, you mm-hmm. know, we're just Gentiles and that if they want to try and join, you know, if people want to try and join their faith, they're cool with it. But like, they're not like Christians, you know, with like missionaries and like, you know, trying to convert people actively. Right. And so Robert, full disclosure, I do do that. And I think that's an important part of Christianity. I think that what you're probably detecting from me though, is um, I'm, I'm aware that. So, so like, I, I don't look like, for example, I don't think, like a 14 year old that comes up to me with maybe the sort of questions that you had when you were 14 is served best by uh, kind of being bullied back into Christianity. Does that make sense? I think that's helpful. Yeah. Um, Cause I think belief is internal, right? I don't actually think that you ever change anyone's beliefs. They change on their own. Um, but, um, but I also think importantly, like we, like I would, how, how to describe this? For someone to believe something, they typically also want it, have to want it to be true, right? Yeah. So, like, um, it's very uncommon that someone converts to a belief system that they don't even want to be, be true in, in the first place. And I, so I think that's kind of like a fundamental step, meaning, like, I, I could spend all day, like, explaining why I think the resurrection historically happened, why I think it holds a claim on your life, why I think the Bible's true and reliable and all that stuff. And that's good, right? Um, but if you you're like, hey, yeah, but like, <clears throat> I don't know, like, it doesn't really hit me. Like, I don't, I don't like, I'm not moved by that. I don't see how that's helpful or meaningful to me. Uh, then you have like this other question, right? Um, human beings live with like a meaning gap, right? Uh, um, if, if we, um, don't have a firm set of what we would call objective beliefs, we have, we have a meaning gap. What, what does life mean? What is the purpose of life? What are things like hope and desire and, and fear and justice and stuff like that? And so in some senses, it's better to talk about like some of those things. Um, I don't know. Uh, different people respond to different things. Um, but I'm not, I'm not Jewish 
in the sense that like, I, I don't believe Jews proselytize. I don't think they're going out trying to gain converts. And I, I would do that, but I don't think I would do that in maybe the way that you've experienced is my guess. Well, no, I, I was just trying to, I was trying to make that similarity, just, you know, the way you describe, you know, you describe the Bible and, you know, mm-hmm. all of your studies and then, you know, always saying it's like, yeah, we believe this to be true, this part to be true. And like, we understand like this is interpretation and, mm-hmm. you know, how it just came off as like, you know, I would say it's like, you're very comfortable with, you know, your beliefs and what you've, what you've studied and that, you know, it's almost like if someone did come up to you and say like, Hey, I don't believe this. Like, I think oh, it's all yeah. a crop, you know, you're just like, all right, well that that's your belief. And like when JT right. brought up Mormons, you're like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I don't really study their stuff. You know, yeah. they can do what they want. You know, you're not, you're not like bad mouthing them because they don't subscribe to your. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not offended or um, made angry by other people's beliefs. I do think that, that I believe that I'm right, which everyone actually ultimately does. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So you, you believe because the you things that you right. Uh, because I want to be right. I also like think it's right. So like, like I, like I've always been a Christian in a certain sense, but I took pretty seriously the endeavor of trying to figure out whether I thought it was true or not. Right. That's one of the reasons why I got a PhD. Like I want to really yeah. study like, like, you know? Um, and so like, uh, I, I, I'm not offended by the people's least probably because I feel relatively secure in my own. Right. I think sometimes when you encounter people that are really ravenous and intense, it's because maybe on their own, they're experiencing various forms of, of doubt. I also believe um that the only thing that can actually convert someone is god himself so like i, I just don't think like i'm going to argue someone in, in into belief in, in a meaningful way i think it'd be a means by which god <clears throat> god uses uh that sort of stuff but i i don't um i don't assent to the idea of like i can trap you intellectually and make you believe a thing which doesn't work that way so yeah, you like, believe in a god that like talks to you talking to me yeah i believe in a god that talks to me through the bible Right. So I don't I don't really uh, uh, believe in like visions and dreams for the most part. Uh, I don't believe in God speaking words in my brain. I think it can happen, um, but I think it's pretty rare. I see so much abuse uh, related to it that I'm really skeptical when someone says to me, I had a vision or a dream. I'm always like, okay, like. I bet it's going to benefit you a lot, isn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, not, not all the time, but, but, but a lot of times. Um, I had a vision. Is it a wife and she's young? Is she like a, <laughs> a hot 18-year-old wife? Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, one of the things I encounter a lot is young men coming up to me and saying, I had a dream that I should be a pastor here at this church. And I go, hmm. well, what do you want me to do with that? Um, just assume that you're, like, you know, like, it's kind of like a bit of a power play, it feels like to me. Like, I have this special word from God. You didn't have it. I had it. But because it's from God, you have to attend to it. And I want to be like, eh, show me chapter and verse. Like, um, it seems to me, it's like Christians have historically believed that God speaks in two ways, through special revelation um, and through general revelation. So the book of, like, the Bible and the book of nature. Um, so, like, Paul uses that. Paul talks about God as the creator and how creation testifies to the existence of God. I actually think it's quite hard to account for the world we live in without a creator. Um, as, as common as that belief is today, I, I don't think it's a particularly tenable one. Um, but I don't think through, like, I, I don't think people receive special revelation on par with the Bible ever anymore. You think, think you, you think those 
instances that, you know when they ha- when they happened when the bible was taking place but um you're basically saying it's like you don't think there's going to be another messiah or you know yeah. no more burning bushes speaking to people in the desert nothing like that you think it's more I, through what sorry but just to finish the thought but like it's more through yeah. reading the scripture that's how that's really how god's going to get you know speak to you i guess right. my, so, yeah i was just gonna just because i'm curious like what would be an example of like god speaking to you through the the text is it just interpreting it yeah. and kind of internalizing it yeah the the text testifies to what God has already done and what God will do and how I'm to live in between those two poles of Jesus's resurrection and the future resurrection. So like, I, I think you can take a plain reading of the Bible. Um, people talk a lot about how the Bible is interpreted a billion different ways. I mean, yes and no, like even amongst every single Christian domination, there's not a great deal of difference. There's some major differences, right? And some mm-hmm. minor differences, but it's not like we're out here saying it's an indecipherable text. We can't understand it. I like we can't. Um, I think it's relatively straightforward in a lot of ways. Certainly parts are harder than others. Um, some stuff we don't really know what to do with. Like there's some passages you're like, I'm not really sure what to do with this. But in general, I, I don't, I just don't think it's that hard like to, under, to understand. Um, and so you read the Bible and you believe and do what it says. And I think that's how God speaks. Right. Okay. So you don't have anyone in your church that like is like, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Bible might say this, but today God wants this. Oh, I know. I definitely have people say that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but they're not like in charge. They're not leading your church. Those are just people that go to the church. Not, not that I know. <laughs> no, Andrew had a Jeopardy style uh, game show with all those people. He won. He got the daily double. So he gets yeah. to lead. And his, yeah. uh, you know, what he says goes. And so, if you don't like bottom, that, you can the, know. The, the, <laughs> Yeah, but the, the goal is what the Bible says go. So, like, you go to some church, you've probably been to churches like where the pastors would just kind of, like, blather on for a long time about how they feel about things and, you know, how evil and gross the world is now. And and here's a vision that God gave me. And here's what we need to really care about as Christians. Like, when we preach at our church, we literally open the Bible, we read a set of verses, and we try to the best of our abilities to explain what those verses mean. Not in such a way that the people who are there couldn't have come to those conclusions on their own. That's very much the point. Like, hey, I'm going to show you what I think these verses mean to the best of my abilities, but I want you to know, I think you could do what I'm doing right now. Like, I don't think I'm anyone special. Uh, you go to like a Hawaiian shirt church. Yeah, yeah, so it's pretty casual. Mm-hmm. They wear I Hawaiian we shirts at Andrew's churches. You wish they had wish, what? Wish we had a uniform. Do you really? <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be nice. Little Adidas track suits. I, so yeah. I, told you, I like Orthodox, and I'm an Orthodox Christian now. I yeah. When I saw they that they like were... Normal. Yeah, they're pre- <laughs> they're practically wizards, man. They live yep. in forests. They want to like save uh, that. What is it? Death to the world. I was like, death to the world. Orthodox. I'm in, dude. I think it's tight looking. So I mean, orthodoxy is pretty close to Protestantism in comparison to the Roman Catholic Church. Um, the, again, the issue with orthodoxy, it seems to be like who has the authority to say what what God has said, right? So like a fundamental premise of Protestantism is that you read the Bible and the Bible tells you what God yeah. says. The church as an institution does not have that authority. Uh, and the, the other premise is um, salvation by faith alone. So like Christian, yeah. Protestant Christians believe you are saved simply by faith, not by works. And I think it's a little bit more complicated and nuanced than that in Catholicism. I would yeah. make the argument. Well, they, they have their stuff like the Hail Marys going to confession, the, uh, mm-hmm. the tithes, you know, their little payments, which 
you know, no one. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, there are, I think there are, like, so, yeah, I just think it's more complicated. There's some sort of addition of of works, right? And so I would say Paul says in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith, uh, not by works, so that no no one can boast. The idea is God saves you, you don't do anything. You just assent in belief. So my Um, dad did confirmation at 13 for no reason. Take that, dad. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, My dad was raised Catholic. So like yeah. he, he went through like the confirmation and you know had to sit there and like just listen to the the priest read in Latin aloud. Yeah. So go ahead, my, Daisy. My sister in law, right, Jensen's sister. Yeah. She is about to marry a Catholic guy, and I said, "Oh, she's converting to Catholicism." And my wife said, "No, she's just taking the classes." And I was like, "Well, that's how it starts." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Dude, you're going to be a yeah. card, Karen." And I I told her I'd, I'd be in. Yeah, I said I could go. I could you know sign me up. Fuck it. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, so the, the, when people convert from Protestantism to Catholicism, it's almost always over the question of, uh, authority. Um, Mm -hmm. does the church have authority, uh, or, or not? Right. So like, I believe the church has authority to affirm that someone is a believer, but they can't make someone as a believer, right? You're, you may or may not be saved. The church can say, we think you are, or we think you're not, uh, but they can't actually save or not save you. Whereas I think Catholics would say, no, no, the church is actually making those choices. Yeah. I'm not all sure right. all Catholics think that or whatever. Anyways. All right. Well, I mean, we're hitting an hour 40. So, Andrew, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're tired of your second sermon. Yeah. With, One uh, last JT. thing. It's Greenville, oh, yeah. Ohio that Apostle Ohio. is in. Okay. Whatever. And I am interested <laughs> in joining that church. If we can get him on the pod to kind of combat everything Andrew said, just to even this out. Can you imagine how quickly JT would get kicked out of that church? I would I would thrive there. So I think that watch watch JT uh, takes over. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I w- I could be an apostle. I'm so good at talking. You'd be sure because I'm an apostle. idiot. Every time I hear about like a guy so starting good. religion, it's always an idiot that's good at talking. And I'm like, yeah, dude, mix in yeah. former drug problem and abuse when you're younger, baby. I'm taking the pulpit and I'm gonna Honestly, get a group of followers. You gotta have a deeper voice, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, For real. Please open your Bibles. <laughs> I am reading a book about Charles Manson right now called Chaos. That's like one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And I think anyone with a little CIA money could start a cult. That's my thing now. It's like, dude, you just get a little CIA money, you can start a cult. That's crazy. Just need some LSD and some government funds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's really all it takes. All right, guys. I got to go. All right. right. Well, thank you. You developed the the third stance the fart locker has taken, which blew us away. We've been doing this over a year. We've only had two stances till today. Now we're... River to sea, Israel will be free. Wait, no, Palestine will be free. Fuck, we <laughs> fucked up. Oh, well, guess he made us pro-Israel. So now we're pro-Israel, anti-medical examiner, and Jesus has risen. All right, sometime I want to come on and talk about how I don't think chemistry is real, all right? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds great. Right. We're alchemists. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. Bye.